This is Just Football. Hello and welcome to Just Football. This week, or this episode, I have, or we have, an incredibly special guest. It's hailing from Norway in Bergen. It's Matthias. Matthias, welcome to uh, the podcast and the show. How are you doing? Uh, thank you uh, so much. It's a pleasure to uh, be here and also talk about um, football and all. Uh, see if I can come up with some uh, great stories from Norway. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you will, actually. So... I guess could you give us and the listeners an overview of your history, an overview of your history uh, with football? Um, because obviously we we spoken, uh, we messaged each other a few times, and unlike us who has spent most of our time uh, in England watching football, you've got uh, a bit of a story to tell, I guess. Yeah, um, I suppose. Uh, um, so uh, you can say um, football. It is. Um, Without any competitors, by far the most popular sport in uh, Norway. And what's also uh, interesting about uh, Norwegians, uh, we do um, have um, several local teams that we uh, support, but you usually also have one English team that you support. It's been like that since the 50s and 60s and so on. There's always been strong ties between Norway and um, England, and uh, particularly uh, after World War Two, You had loads of uh, British uh, working class. They used to come over to Norway to help them uh, reconstruct um, houses and to rebuild the country after the war. And then, then they brought football with them to Norway. And such the Norwegians, they had a um, big um, interest in the sports. And in the 60s, the Norwegian Broadcasting Corporation, they had a collaboration with the uh, BBC. And such they were able to promote the sport even more, and eventually around the 60s, due to the influence from England, football also became a professional sport in Norway. Wow, I you know that there's a lot to unpack there. I, I didn't realize <laughs> the history behind it. Yeah, I think actually incredible. Can I jump in on something there? So yeah, I, yeah, yeah, go I, for I, it. I, I'm Matthias, uh, Dan, Dan P here. So thank you, uh, and I, I just want to say yes, thank you for being our first guest and international guest. Look at that, we've already, already <laughs> crossed borders. Um, something you said about, and I had a question here ready that, you know, growing up you will have an English team. I was just wondering, is there a concern, especially now with the Premier League, kind of in the last few years, has really risen up in terms of the money and the players coming over to it and its popularity. Is there a concern that newer or younger generations of of kids in Norway are going to focus more on European foreign leagues rather than focus on home? Homegrown football, uh, yeah, uh, um, th- that's a um, kind of a two-sided uh, question, Dampi, because um, they usually support a Norwegian team, but uh, the challenge is more when it comes to more international uh, football. They tend to support their uh, favorite um, English club rather than the Norwegian one, because we haven't been having a Norwegian team in the Champions League since. I think 2007, that's when Rosenborg qualified. And right, think, yeah. Yeah, and except from Rosenborg, there's only been one occasion we had a team in the Champions League since it was rebranded, which was uh, Molde, where uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer used to be manager. So he yeah, yeah. transferred to United. 
And for, for those supporting an English team, is there a trend or is there a club that most people follow or is it kind of dispersed between Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham? Yeah, uh, I'm uh, probably, what do we all call an oil for the Man United generation. So I'm supporting <laughs> yeah, Man United in England because when um, I grew up in the 90s, uh, I wasn't too interested in football. Uh, I was basically playing football with uh, my classmates and uh, I would go to Brand Stadium now and then because they're the only professional club in uh, Bergen. And then I had to choose my English team. And when I started to play, then Man United had recently won the league. So that became my team. <laughs> Which makes perfect sense. There, was there an increase? Because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a huge player in the Premier League, well-known, babyface assassin, as he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was there a, a massive following toward Manchester United when he joined the club? But... There were there's quite a few other famous Norwegians who have played in the Premier League in the past. I think of Jan Jan Fjortoft. Yeah, he was in Southampton, uh, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Was he Middlesbrough? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, Fjortoft. Yeah. I think also Nottingham. Was he Nottingham Forest? Hmm. I think so. Yeah, um, for me, one of the greatest ones is Eric Torsford. Yeah, he was in Forest. Yeah, and we also had uh, in uh, Forest. Uh, Aina Ors, he was the first Norwegian to play abroad in England. And then we also had uh, Alfie Haaland. He, his first club yep. in England was also Nottingham Forest. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, I think most people know Alfie from his playing days and and his interactions with Roy Keane. Yeah. Obviously, now he's got this this son that not many people know about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can regarding uh, Alan Haaland. I can tell you that he had his big breakthrough in Norway against my club, Brann. He came out of literally nowhere. He's been having a few substitutes, appearances for Molde, whereas playing under Solskjaer at the time. And Brann, at that time, they were undefeated for the entire season. So they've been playing 14 match and not lost one match. Until Erling Brattholland, he's starting the match. He's scoring four goals within 12 minutes. That's our chance of gold just out there. That's that's mad. And what was he 17 at the time? Or Yeah, he was 17 when he scored those uh, four goals. Absolutely crazy. And look at him now as well. I mean, for Manchester City, he can't stop scoring. Yeah. Now, from me, from a personal perspective, there's a player I prefer more because he plays for my club. And I'm going to butcher the name, which is uh, Martin <laughs> Erdegaard. Uh, Martin Ødegaard, that's how I pronounce it in Norwegian. Okay, there we go. That's, that's almost always. <laughs> you, you were very, very close. <laughs> yeah. but are, are these two players revered in in Norway as they are, I suppose, in the Premier League? Uh, yes, most uh, definitely. Uh, Martin Ødegaard, he's been uh, kind of uh, hyped in Norway since he was only 15 years old. He was playing for a club called um, Strømskotse at the time. So when he was uh, 15, he had his national breakthrough in Norway when he was still going to lower secondary school. And then he was a regular on the first team. And then it was um, all over the front pages of the newspaper. All right, so who's Martin Ødegaard going to? It's going to be his uh, favorite English club, Liverpool. Will it be Real Madrid? Should go to Ajax or Feyenoord or those clubs? So is it is it accepted then that the best players that come through your league are going to go elsewhere. 
it, you know, is uh, do people get upset about it or is it just accepted? Because I, I did have a look beforehand and, yeah, well, you know, when you look back at it, the amount of sort of big, you know, Norwegians that have come through just the, the Premier League alone, um, you know, I'm just looking now, you've got Henning Berg, John Arnarisa, um, Bjornaby, you know, we've had so many over the years and as a team, so, you know, Dan and I, we support Tottenham, as, as we're recording, we're potentially going to lose our best player, it seems, uh, Harry Kane, our only player, some would say. Um, and yeah, it's it's especially if he goes abroad, it might be seen, you know, a lot of people will be upset. But is it understood in Norway that your better players are going to be snapped up by one of the big teams elsewhere? Yeah, it uh, most um, certainly is like that uh, these days. Uh, and this is... Uh... It's kind of a complex reason for those things. And first of all, the Norwegian league in terms of money, it's miles away from the top five leagues in Europe, miles away. And also the quality of the players. It's been in decline since our heydays during the 90s. That's when they had loads of great players. And they're also cheap exports to the Premier League back then. And even my local club, Brann, yeah, in the light, late 90s, um, they had um, two of those uh, transfers. Uh, and one of them, that was um, Klaus Lundekvam, who played for Southampton for many years. And I think he be- became only the second international to have a testimonial in uh, England. And the um, second transfer was one of uh, Tua André Flo to your uh, mm. London rivals, uh, Chelsea. Yeah. He was a very good player as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he was he was very good. I must admit, I didn't. I don't think I really clocked he was Norwegian until we just spoke about it. But he he was a really he was one of my favourites, despite playing for Chelsea. I always liked him. Um, question question for me. So you you mentioned that most people in Norway will have a um, English club, and yours is Man United because they won the league when you were when you were that age. Um, and I think we probably associate that quite well because I think we all come from an age range where there was a bulk of Man United fans all, all kind of our age. And obviously over the last 10 years, we've probably seen the emergence of Man City and Chelsea fans um, coming through. Is is that the same sort of trend in, in Norway as well? Yeah, uh, most um, certainly. Uh, just to give you a, a picture of how those things are working. So on my mother's side, uh, basically my entire family are supporting uh, Liverpool. They were born in the like seventies, oh, uh, early eighties when <laughs> Liverpool were the top team. And every time I go into those uh, family unions, they were gathering. And how are you bringing that uh, pace of thing on your head? Just bringing bad luck here. <laughs> how do you bring Man United? Yeah. And one of them, my relatives there, he even worked at um, Anfield for a while. So that's like a no go. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny, isn't it, see, hearing that rivalry between Man United and Liverpool transposed to another country? Yeah. Because you think it's that bit bit removed, don't you? It's it's funny hearing that, yeah, from yourself that, that the rivalry is still that strong. Yeah. Yeah. Most certainly can. And uh, even more um amusing. Uh, when I was um, studying, we were kind of like like yeah, 50-50 when uh Myself and fifty uh, percent were sporting Man United. The remaining fifty were all Liverpool. <laughs> but at least we always had something to talk about. Then. <laughs> yeah, it was always interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is. Uh, and if you look even uh, further back, yeah, uh, 
during my father's generation, then it was actually a trend that everyone were supporting different uh, clubs and also particularly clubs from the Midlands area where the Norwegian Broadcasting uh, Corporation. They had a sort of uh, um, appointment for uh, the BBC. So they would have uh, two or three matches each week from that area. That's why my, my father is supporting West Bromwich Albion. Wow. Okay. Wow, okay. Yeah. It's an unusual choice, isn't it? Yeah, to hear. Yeah, actually, when he was growing up, uh, it wasn't an uh, unnatural choice because um, then uh, West Bromwich they had a uh, quite good team because um, they won the um, FA Cup and League Cup uh, twice in the late sixties. Uh, and in addition, uh, they would every year they would go on those uh, tours and uh, like a pre-season. Uh, yeah. I don't think they were calling it um, so back then. And then they would always have a visit to uh, Bergen and have those friendlies against okay. Brom. Right. It's funny because yeah. we mentioned West Brom in our episode yesterday for the first time and now we've mentioned them twice. <laughs> Two days running. Yeah. It's, it's uh, quite interesting with, with clubs around the Midlands, isn't it? Because I feel, and I, I'm happy to be corrected, that most clubs around the Midlands are really supported by people that live in the Midlands, whereas mm. teams like Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool and Man United are supported more nationwide. So it's quite interesting to hear that they have supporters, not even in England. Um, yeah, yeah. I, must admit, I don't, I don't come across many supporters from Midland clubs for that reason. Yeah, yeah. and um, also in um, Norway, if you look at those sixties, seventies uh, generation, uh, you also have um, loads of uh, people supporting uh, Derby County. That's yeah. what they were there at and they also had uh, legendary Brian Clough as their uh, manager. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so one of the teams you just mentioned is Bram, which I understand you support and follow. Yeah. And you told me they've just won the Norwegian Cup. Oh, yeah, they sure did. That was the 20th of May, and that was such an, an intense match. And it was um, all sold out, so I had to watch it from the um, tally. And it was, um, they won a uh, 2-0. But, um, nobody believes that uh, even if France had 4-0, we're going to win. Because uh, even though they're one of the top teams in Norway, they haven't won too many trophies. And they always have a tendency to slip up during the last minute. And they may lead 3-0. Then it's going to be a draw 3-3. <laughs> or they may have a brilliant start of the season. And it's all uh, collapsing halfway there. So I wasn't sure if you're talking about Tottenham or Bran then. Yeah, easy, <laughs> yeah, yeah easy. There's a lot of there. I, I, I can feel that. Yeah. <laughs> so we've just found our Norwegian team then, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should um, have a visit to um, Bergen. Yeah. Hey, I'm up for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Matthias, could you give us a history of uh, Brand, the Brand Football Club? Um, oh. Most um, certainly can. Um, um, Brand, they had their uh, um, heydays uh, in terms of uh, league titles won uh, in the 1960s. So um, actually, um, for the first uh, two seasons for the entire Norway, when football was finally being professionalized, they were able to uh, have like a sort of national league. Then Brann won the first two uh, times. And um, the main player for Brann at the time, his name was uh, Roal uh, Knixen uh, Jansen. And he was also one of the first uh, players who went uh, abroad to play. So he went to Hearts in Scotland in 1965 because uh, back then um, 
internationals were not allowed to play in the English league. So he went to Scotland in the hopes that uh, the English laws would be more liberal and they could transfer from uh, Hearts to his favourite club, Arsenal. Something that unfortunately never happened. But he became a legend in Hearts as well. And they were almost able to win the league in front of Celtic. But then they drew in the final match and then Celtic won. Wow. Uh, sorry, it's a shame he didn't end up at Arsenal. But... Yeah. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> yeah, and um, so, so back then we had a fantastic, yeah, good team. But unfortunately, after we won the league in 1963, it all went downhill. When they were relegated in 1964, it took them three years to get uh, back on top. And um, they didn't have any sustained success until uh, they won the cup again in 1972. And uh, then the next year, they then Englishman, his name was uh, Billy Elliot. He was from uh, Sunderland. And he managed to transform Brun into an entertaining team. And they had a big support in Norway at the time, uh, also uh, outside of uh, Bergen. Didn't win any league titles, but they won the cup uh, once again. And then they, after Billy Elliot's departure, they um, entered a uh, an, of an elevator existent when they were relegated in 1979, then they were promoted the next year and relegated the following year. And so it just kept on until 1987. They were finally able to stay on top in the Norwegian Premiership. So just to clarify, this Billy Elliot is not the same as the musical Billy Elliot. No, not at all. (laughs) The only thing they have in common is the name. (laughs) (laughs) and then from the 80s to now have have brands stayed in the top league or top flight Uh, with the exception of uh, two seasons um, yes they have so during the um, entire 90s then Rosenberg were at the time the dominating team they won um, the league 13 years in a row so we're actually considering it if you're able to finish runner up behind Rosenberg that was fantastic and um, Brun, uh, even though they had those uh, unstable um, 80s, uh, they were usually on the upper half of the table. And they were also um, able to uh, win the finish runner-up and win the bronze medals behind Rosenborg a few times. And they didn't win any trophies, but uh, they had a reputation of developing good uh, players like uh, Lundekvam and Fluen, a few more who went on to play in uh, Germany. And then, then um, during the 2000s, um, uh, they had this um, player, it was, his name was uh, Raimon Kvisvik. He was immensely popular in Norway. He was, he was by no means the most uh, athletic one. But um, he was just um, hilarious. He always had a great joke. And he was able to uh, cheer up his uh, teammate. And he's a legend in Bergen to the States. And um, he was able to lead Brun to the cup title in 2004. So that was the start of Brun's second uh, golden age uh, when I was um, 12. And they kept on uh, building on this uh, cup uh, success. And in 2007, after 44 years, we finally won the league title once again. And then um, the entire Bergen was on fire. <laughs> and they were um, they sold out Brun Stadium, I think, uh, three times. Every single match of the Premiership that season. 
They're so um, excited and it is a huge uh, celebration party when the gold was finally coming home. And um, and at the same year, uh, they're also qualifying for the UEFA Cup, uh, as it was, was called then, for the first time for the group stages. And then we're on the same group as uh, uh, Hamburger, Sportsverein and uh, Basel and um, Ren from France and also Dynamo Zagreb. And we had a few um, cool uh, matches at the Brand Stadium that uh, autumn. And the first one was against uh, Hamburg, who unfortunately, they won uh, 1-0 in Bergen. And the guy who scored the only goal of the match was uh, Vincent Company. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the following uh, home match, uh, perhaps even more uh, spectacular when you look back now, uh, they won a uh, 2-1 against uh, Dinamo Zagreb. And in their starting lineup, Dinamo had uh, Luka Modric, who lost against Bron, <laughs> who 10 years later wow. became the wow. best player of the world. Yeah, yeah. Great player. Great player, yeah. Tottenham legend or Real Madrid <laughs> legend, whichever. <laughs> both, both. <laughs> Absolutely. And then because of this uh, victory, we then uh, qualified for the last um, 16. And then... We were under the opponent, which was Everton. Did, um, so what happened in that match? Then we lost uh, 2 0 in uh, Bergen. It was quite um, expected, though, but uh, it was a sold out uh, stadium. And again, <laughs> the entire city were on uh, fire. And uh, for myself, being a Man uh, United fan, it was cool to see uh, future United manager David Moyes. He was on the sides. Yeah, well, yeah. Also, uh, Tim Howard and uh, Phil Neville in the starting lineup, uh, and we also had a uh, former uh, Leeds uh, legend, uh, Eric Bakke. He was playing for Brann at the time. Oh yes, yeah, I do remember him. That's amazing. And what um, so what kind of kit do Brann play in? Uh, yeah, they play in um, um, typically um, red jerseys or uh, either uh, red or white uh, shorts. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, yeah, I'll... since we compared them to Tottenham, we found out they've won some trophies and they, they play in red and white. So I'm not sure anymore. Um, just actually, just a question because you, you know you're saying it's a packed out stadium and that is it is football expensive in Norway in, in terms of you know the, the the price to the average wage, say. Um, this um, uh, all depends on which uh, section of the different uh, stadiums you are um, in. Um, when it comes to those uh, normal uh, league matches, uh, if you buy the very cheapest tickets, uh, you have to pay uh, £13. Uh, if you buy the most expensive one, it's usually around 30 35 um, I would say. Okay, so that's definitely cheaper compared to us, right? <laughs> yeah, most certainly is. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know if it's the same in Norway, but football in this country has got so expensive to the, yeah. to the merchandise, to the tickets. Like, I think getting a, a Premier League ticket to a Tottenham game at the moment is about £50, £60 pounds as, as a cheap, cheap. I think the minimum would be, yeah. I yeah. think there was a stat a few years ago, or um, a, yeah, a fact that I looked it up and it was true at the time. It would be cheaper to go from England, fly to, I think it was Bayern Munich every home game and watch a Bayern Munich home game in Germany than it was to buy an Arsenal or Tottenham season ticket at the time, which is outrageous. 
Yeah, it is kind of uh, mad the way those uh, prices have uh, developed in the English game. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is. Speaking of the, the current brand team, are there any players who you think could be capable of playing in the Premier League? Yeah, uh, uh, perhaps not uh, directly transferred to the Premier League uh, those days. Uh, um, the reason being that because of uh, Brexit, uh, it is indeed uh, harder for Norwegian players to transfer to Premier League uh, directly because the Norwegian league um, is currently ranked uh, uh, so low that they would usually be expected to play in the Netherlands or Germany first because it's a okay. high-ranked league and then they can transfer to the English league. And, and perhaps um, the one I consider most uh, likely because uh, he's on fire these days, uh, his name is uh, Borde Finna. He's been scoring, I think we're on the 10th match of the season, and he's got the 15 goals so far. Yeah, one to watch then. Absolutely. And um, we also had a um, player who was still um, in Brunn, but he transferred to uh, Netherlands. Uh, his name is uh, David uh, Möller-Wolfe. He's to AC uh, Alkmaar. He can potentially make a uh, Premier League uh, standard in a couple of years, but uh, he's still only 19, so he's still having a good shot, I would say. Yeah. He's got plenty of time. Yeah. yeah. Dan, Dan, Dave, actually, that's, that's quite, for me anyway, it was quite an, an interesting point about Brexit, having had that kind of impact. Yeah, we don't really consider that, do we, or think of the influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I must admit, I, I don't think about it too much, but then I try to avoid those type of topics. Well, I think because... <laughs> we still get an influx of players in that we don't necessarily see how it's affecting at the root of where these players are coming from, I guess. So I, I think that's the thing. It's one of these unseen issues for us. But, you know, maybe is that why we, we've said that we did used to get such a big influx of players from Norway and we're not now. And, and that could be one of the reasons. It's Yeah, it's um, that's a really interesting fact. I think it's a great point. Mm. It really, really is. And... You mentioned the the season in the league. Could you could you explain to us how does promotion relegation work, and when does the the season run from and to? Because in the UK, it's typically August to May June time. But I imagine due to the weather and the seasonal conditions, it's different. Um, yeah, it, it is uh, very different from uh, England there. But uh, on uh, conversely, it's also the same way as I do in uh, Ireland. Where I've been living for uh, five years. So in uh, Norway, uh, the season usually starts around March and is until uh, October, uh, November, depending on if it's an international uh, cup uh, mid-season or uh, not. So typically, the season will start uh, late March uh, and then play like in uh, the Premier League uh, every time uh, it's facing uh, each other once uh, home, once um, away. And then the two bottom teams are directly relegated to the Norwegian Championship. And then the team uh, finishing third loss, they will enter a uh, promotion relegation playoff against the team finishing number three on the second tire. That makes sense. So so, sorry, just repeat that last part again, because I find this in quite interesting. So the, the team that finishes, what, third from, to four, what, 14th? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the team finishing uh, at 14th on the league. 
They have to answer and that. And will play the third place team in the division below as a to defend their place in the Premier. Yeah, the that's Premier that's correct. Uh, and uh, actually, um, Brun were um, unfortunately relegated uh, in twenty twenty one. That was a mad match. It was against a small team from southern Norway. They called the uh, Järv. They're having one of the smallest uh, stadiums in the Norwegian uh, top leagues. And uh, they'd never been playing in the Premiership uh, before. And because of COVID in Norway at the time, uh, usually they have an also relegation uh, promotion playoff uh, one match home, one match away. But yeah. due to COVID, they're playing it with uh, no spectators on a in a neutral ground and with no audience's presence. And that match, it ended 4-4 after extra time. It was oh, wow. a mad match from start to finish. It was yeah. all foggy when it was starting. And for some reason, the referee had chosen a white ball. So I was watching for the first 20 minutes. So, okay, I can't even see the ball. What's happening on the pitch? Well, confused. Then it was 1-1 um, after full time. And then every team scored three goals in extra time. Wow. And you never knew who was gonna, if Brown was going to stay up, up or not. And uh, then they had to uh, decide it on penalty shootouts where um, yeah. both teams uh, scored on the first five. And then uh, <laughs> there was sudden death. And then a uh, player called uh, Robert Taylor was from uh, Finland. But I think his father was uh, English. He missed. Yeah. He scored way over the bar. And then Brown were <laughs> relegated. So that was the wow. worst year, we say, in Bergen since uh, World War II. Because uh, Brown had um, been involved in a scandal earlier in the season when they had a, an after party and a few new uh, players coming to Bergen. And it was uh, COVID in Norway still um, at the time. And such shadows restrictions and they had to keep their distance. Then they had an after party at Brown Stadium which became an outrageous scandal. And yeah. just how much uh, media attention. And I think, I think uh, two players, they resigned uh, straight away. Another one, mm-hmm. um, Christopher Barman, who's been in Brann since he was uh, eight years old. He was uh, fired because of his uh, involvement. And then mm-hmm. uh, basically the entire board dared to leave after the season. Wow. And, uh, oh, wow. and we were wondering, are <laughs> Brann going to be able to come back after this? Yeah. Yeah. And the following season was, oh, yes, they will indeed. <laughs> they were promoted straight away. And then they had uh, 81 points of 90 possible. They only lost wow. once during the entire season. And That's it incredible. was uh, also fun to attend those uh, matches at Brun Stadium because they were usually winning 4 or 5 nil. Yeah. They even won uh, 7 nil against one of their archer rivals. And um, I was there. There's a club called uh, Mjöndalen. They're usually nicknamed uh, brown jerseys in uh, Norway because they're unusual uh, colours. And Brann <laughs> had not been able to beat uh, Mjöndalen since the year I was born, 1992. But on this match, they won 7-0. <laughs> wow. That is, that is amazing. Now, I want to just change, change these sort of the, the subjects and topics slightly. You've already brought up what I want to talk about, but you've definitely got, even though you speak in English, you definitely have an accent. Yeah. You mentioned Ireland, and I understand you spent some time in Ireland. Yeah, most um, certainly did. Uh, I lived uh, in uh, one year in a town called uh, 
Maynooth, which is just um, outside of um, Dublin. And I've been living uh, further uh, three years uh, in a town called uh, Dundalk, which is uh, one hour north of uh, Dublin and one hour south of Belfast. So kind of uh, in between the UK and Republic of Ireland. And what was your involvement with football there? Yeah, uh, Dan, uh, I was a regular at a stadium called um, RL Park, uh, where I was um, based on my interest of uh, football uh, from uh, Norway and uh, being a regular at Brunt Stadium. Then I had to go to uh, RL Park um, instead. So I usually went uh, most uh, Fridays. Uh, that's when they're playing uh, matches on the top tier in um, Ireland. And there, uh, it's kind of like in uh, Scotland, they're playing... Uh, Every team uh, once home, once away, but uh, twice during the season. So it's 36 okay. uh, matches. And because I was uh, living in Dundalk, uh, that was sort of the team I had to um, support. And um, even though the stadium is considerably uh, smaller than you might be used to in England, when uh, Oriel Park uh, has a maximum capacity of uh, 4,500. It does... It does seem small, but I think there's plenty of grounds over here that are probably small. I mean, Luton Town, is that 10,000? It's about 10,000, isn't yeah, it? Maybe yeah. a little bit over. Yes, this is the Premier League club with 10,000. Yeah. Is a... So how, how old were you, Matthias, did you say when you were over? Um, um, I was uh, moving to Dundalk when I was uh, in that 2017. That's when I moved. Um, and... The previous season before I moved, Dead won uh, the double. And then uh, I was working for a, a retail uh, company during my time in the docks. I was working in sales representing the Norwegian uh, market. And uh, usually um, every Friday after work, uh, then I would uh, go home and uh, have my dinner and then straight to Oriel Park and watch uh, the dock play. And then I would be a regular on a section there. They're calling the shed side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, yeah, because there is, it does feel like there's a bit of a tinge of, a, of accent there. But more importantly, did you know, is, is, is there a difference between kind of like the football culture in terms of the fans in, you know, in terms of the, the pre-match game, the drinking, the pre-match game, the preparation? Is there a difference to, to kind of that culture in Norway or is it very, fairly similar? Um, Norwegian uh, pub culture, to be honest, uh, it is... Uh, very different from what uh, you're used to in England uh, and also in uh, Ireland. Uh, just to um, give you an uh, example on uh, those things, uh, I had a friend in uh, Bergen. Uh, he's from uh, Stoke-on-Trent. And uh, then he moved to uh, Bergen because his girlfriend is uh, Norwegian. And um, he was uh, asking me a question once uh, about uh, Norwegian pub culture because he struggled to understand it. Uh, we've been going to a pub uh, in Norway to watch uh, Stoke City play. Then he discovered everyone were looking at him. I'm like, um, I think I understand why. Uh, did you go to a pub uh, on your own? He's like, yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, that's why. You see, in Norway, <laughs> if you go to the pub by yourself, regardless if you're going to watch football or not, people are going to think you're an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see where that comes from completely. How, how does the atmosphere compare from Oriel Park to, to Brand? Yeah, um, that's a, a hard question to answer because the culture is uh, so massively um, different. Uh, um, 
I would say uh, Bran um, um, in Bergen, uh, it is um, quite similar to uh, um, how football is being uh, played in um, England uh, these days. So um, we have a limited of those uh, stands in Norway. So we have a small section which is called the big stand in uh, Bran Stadium, which uh, have a maximum capacity of, uh, I think, uh, 500 uh, spectators and uh, remaining many parts of the stadium they were all like uh, all uh, seaters and i've been to um, a few matches in england the most recent one uh, i was on a weekend trip to brighton so which uh, brighton have albion versus uh, southampton when i was there for a weekend trip and i discovered it was not too different from what i'm used to in uh, norway then uh, again in uh, ireland if you're in the shed side those are different planets. That's um, <laughs> pretty much uh, how football uh, used to be in uh, England uh, in the 60s, um, 70s, uh, based on what my father has uh, told me from his experiences uh, going to football matches there and also my own experiences from uh, going to football matches in uh, Ireland. And because the stadiums are so small in uh, those shed side uh, areas, um, there are always having those huge uh, banners and there are having those uh, like uh, fireworks with them to every match and even having a drummer among the audience is always drumming. They tell them, "Come on, you town! Come on, you town!" Every match. <laughs> and then when they're meeting one of the arc rivals, uh, which in uh, Ireland is in recent years, it's uh, Shamrock Rovers. Then uh, it's like a uh, battlefield. <laughs> Mountain spectators there, <laughs> always jumping <laughs> up and down, and you're always uh, joking. The shed side—that's a minefield, literally, on those uh, match days. Uh, the reason being that uh, since um, security, they don't take it as seriously as they might do in uh, England because of the small stadium, and you always have those uh, guys uh, who are uh, hiding a few uh, cans of beer in their jackets, and they're standing <laughs> on the very back, and then when if and dark is scoring they're throwing the cans just enjoy it you're actually on the risk of being hit by the cans <laughs> from a from a fan perspective see, football here is very much like a religion where you have your rivalries your rivalries you can only believe in your one team and it's basically live or die is it the same in Ireland and Norway or is it a bit less tribal yeah the thing about um Ireland is um, um, considering that um, the league is so uh, small and struggling to uh, sort of have uh, teams playing European uh, football. They're usually also supporting an uh, English club in uh, in uh, like in the Premiership. So typically, Liverpool and Manchester United are recurring uh, teams they support in uh, Ireland because uh, both of those uh, cities uh, there's so many uh, Irish uh, immigrants uh, living there. And, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in Norway, it's uh, a bit uh, different. Uh, and that is um, because uh, the country is so small in terms of uh, inhabitants. So you usually support your local club. Uh, I wouldn't uh, describe it as being a religion uh, per se. Uh, of course, uh, you have those diehard supporters in Norway as well. Typically for uh, clubs like uh, Brann and also Vålerenga in uh, Oslo and Rosenborg in uh, Trondheim and then a team called uh, Viking in um, Stavanger. 
and then recent years uh, also uh, mold uh, and to some degree uh, Lillestrøm, which is just uh, outside of um, Oslo. You do, but um, uh, not to the extent that you, you may experience in uh, England. Then in the um, Irish league, uh, to me, um, it's uh, more like a community thing. Is is a football the primary sport in Ireland? I must admit, that's not something I know, but is would you class football as a primary sport? Um, these days, it's the secondary sport of um, Ireland. Yeah. So, um, since the um, change of the uh, millennium, then rugby is the most uh, popular sport uh, right. in terms of uh, spectators uh, and also uh, players uh, doing it. And then uh, you have those uh, typical uh, Irish sports like uh, hurling and Gaelic football. Uh, those sports are also massively popular, but uh, no one is doing those uh, professionally. Yeah, okay. But is it the same for Norway? Is football the top sport? Is Nor- Norway well known for, I suppose, more for the winter sports, like skiing, winter Olympics, uh, uh, and those sort of areas? Is that, is that fair or is that a misnomer? Um, yes, that's uh, spot on. So then, uh, football, it's uh, definitely the number one sport. And then, secondly, yeah, you have those uh, winter sports like uh, ski jumping, and you also have those uh, typical um, kind of Norwegian uh, skiing sport that uh, we do those in Scandinavia and to some degree in uh, Germany and uh, Austria, but uh, not too much uh, outside of those uh, countries. And uh, I think the third most uh, popular sport, it's... Uh, Handball. I love handball. <laughs> I love watching it. <laughs> is is non-league football big in Norway? Is there a strong non-league um, entity? That uh, depends on uh, which part of uh, Norway you are uh, living in. Um, if you live in those uh, typically big city areas like uh, Oslo, uh, Bergen and um, Stavanger, it's um, usually um, only the professional clubs of the city and uh, we don't have uh, many of those uh, however if you go to those uh, smaller villages yes there's going to be a huge uh, interest around the local clubs uh, even if they're uh, playing on the seventh or eighth uh, tire right okay okay how do you stay connected with brand fans is it through social media do you have supporter groups or anything like that yeah um when it comes to um, Brann, uh, they're having their own uh, supporter club, which is called the Brann Battalion. And then um, you can become a um, member there quite um, easily. Then you have to sign up for a um, season ticket, and then you're also automatically going to be a member of the Brann uh, Battalion. And they have a few pubs for the fans who are gathering before and after each uh, match, which is called the Football Pub. That's where they're all uh, going and meeting up and having a few pints and then taking the city tram to the stadium and watching Bron hopefully win. <laughs> and <laughs> regardless of the result, straight to the pub uh, afterwards. Oh, so I've just realised throughout the whole podcast I've been saying Bron wrong. <laughs> so it's very, very kind of you to uh, not correct me. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> uh, uh, how, how does... How do Norwegians feel about international football? Um, um, international football. Yeah, 
it um, depends on uh, the league. So uh, definitely the English league. It's uh, very popular. And um, lots of uh, Norwegians, uh, uh, every time there is a major uh, tournament like the World Cup or European Cup, they will usually support um, England because the Norwegian national team haven't been in a tournament since uh, 2000, so 23 years now. And also because of the connection between uh, Norway and England. And also the Spanish league, um, La Liga, has um, some supporters in uh, Norway, but uh, they don't find it too interesting because usually Real Madrid and Barcelona competing for the title. And then, see, uh, the Italian league uh, was uh, quite popular in Norway during the 90s. Uh, Typically, AC Milan has uh, some uh, followers. But uh, next to that, uh, yeah, they also pay some attention to the Swedish and Danish leagues since they are our neighbours. Yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Is there lots of Scandinavian rivalry at all? Um, Not between uh, Scandinavian uh, clubs. Um, I think the closest you've come to a uh, rivalry that was between uh, Rosenborg and uh, FC uh, Copenhagen when uh, sort of Rosenborg were having their uh, dominance uh, were, uh, was towards its end and then Copenhagen were on the rise in uh, Denmark. And then um, this was uh, perhaps on uh, top during in 2010 when uh, Rosenborg and Copenhagen were facing off in a playoff to play in the Champions League yeah, group stage. And this was called the Battle of the Nordics had a huge media attention in all the Scandinavian newspapers. And then, then FC Copenhagen ended up uh, winning it. And it had loads of furious uh, Rosenborg uh, supporters in the following months because the Champions League was uh, slipping uh, away. And then, um, kind of uh, amusing, uh, um, the last uh, decade, uh, this uh, fantasy uh, football, haven't been too much into it, to be honest. Uh, that's seen an increase in popularity. And in 2020, for the first time in Norwegian history, loads of Norwegians were paying attention to a league at the Faroe Islands. <laughs> this was the first uh, those uh, Nordic um, countries where football was uh, allowed to be played during COVID. So all of a sudden, you had to find a oh, favorite yeah. uh, Faroe Island club. Right. <laughs> It's kind of what it was like here, wasn't it? When after COVID, people were trying to find anything, weren't they? Any sport, anything that they could get their hands on. <laughs> now, we, we've spoken a lot about Bron, Norway, Ireland. We're going to focus on you a bit, Matthias, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. So would you be able to talk us through what you do from a professional standpoint? Because it does have a direct link to football and sport in general. Yeah, it most um, certainly uh, does. So um, I'm um, currently working on uh, establishing my own uh, social uh, enterprise. And what I'm doing with this uh, enterprise is uh, I'm trying to help uh, teenagers uh, who's been dropping out of uh, secondary school in Norway, which is quite um, a lot. I think um, only a few days ago, there was a debate on the Norwegian Broadcasting Corporation and then the host said that the dropout rate from upper secondary is 30%, which is quite a lot. So this is obviously a social uh, problem. And I'm trying to create workshops to help those teenagers to find uh, not only 
employment or um, to get back in school, but also help them to identify something they are passionate about and interested in in order to spark the drive and help them into employment that they enjoy. And I'm also turning them into leaders in the process. That's superb. That's superb. Genuinely, and this is what I thought was important to bring up. Share with our audience, but you can tell your story. Uh, so with with these people who have dropped out, so you'll help them get mentorship, leadership, and hopefully get them into perhaps sport or football in some sort of way? Yeah, it's um, definitely into sports. Uh, I'm in uh, continuous uh, dialogues and um, trying to help those um, teenagers uh, who may have a field of um, interest but no qualifications to have, um, you can call it an internship in a local uh, sports club because they may be into football and they can do something that uh, might give them work um, experience or uh, perhaps help uh, local clubs run their social uh, media accounts or uh, those kind of things for they have a uh, profound uh, knowledge they can also transfer to sports club and then if it's not uh, directly related to uh, sports i'm using loads of sports uh, metaphors in those uh, workshops and one name uh, I'm always bringing up uh, is uh, Sir Alex uh, Ferguson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just two things on that. So again, you know, can only applaud you for what you're trying to do. Um, because when I was earlier about non-league, I think over here, more so recently as well, non-league, if done right, can really be a hub within a community, especially like smaller communities. It can be a focal point for, you know, if they get the youth team setups correctly, um, attract people to go and support their local size it becomes yeah it becomes it it makes people sort of proud to be part of their community um and the other thing is one of the things when we set up this podcast i think it's fair to say is look if there's bad news stories in football we'll talk about it but we kind of also want to shed you know have some of the good stories come out and talk about the more positive side and and we often forget for every negative or probably every 10 negative stories you see about football in the press there are things like this going on in the background that probably don't get the the press over the the shock tabloid headings so i think yeah it's you know stuff like this and whatever we can do to help get that message out i think it's fantastic yeah thank you so much for that Uh, Matthias, where where can people find you? So if people do need help or they want to reach out and speak to you, well, where is the best place? Uh, the best place uh, at the moment, uh, that is if you reach out on um, LinkedIn. That's where I'm active uh, the most. And I'm um, quite close to achieve uh, 10,000 uh, followers now. So things are definitely yeah. happening there. And you can also find me on uh, Instagram, where my name is uh, Matthias uh, Global Leader. Yeah, I'm also having a website uh, in the works that can hopefully come up in not too long. That is, yeah, uh, absolutely amazing. So I'd, I'd encourage everyone, including us, on this uh, show to actually follow. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably look at doing a Just Football yeah. LinkedIn at some point as well, if I get around to it. Most certainly can. And since you mentioned the community aspect, uh, after one Bron uh, won the Cup uh, two weeks ago, I wrote a post about uh, the club and also why football is so important for community. For that aspect, doesn't really have anything to do with what's happening on the pitch or about the football at all. It's more about the people being involved mm. in the club. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great message. It brings people together, just like it 
brings sort of us and this podcast together, even though we are fans of rival clubs, you know, we're still together talking about the game and I suppose having a bond about something we all care and are passionate about. Yeah, that's so important. Do we have any more questions? Did anyone want to ask anything at all? Um, yeah, how did how did you find our podcast? Yeah, that was through this uh, website called uh, matchmaker.fm. Okay. Yeah, I've um, yeah I signed us up for it, uh, among some other, I suppose, podcast guest sort of websites. Yeah, uh, Matthias was the first. To... I, th- I think the question there is we're 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 pleased that after finding us, he still wanted to speak to us. That's that's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Dan, I must admit, I find. Uh, and the Dan's will know this, I find the social media element quite difficult. Even the matchmaker stuff I find difficult sometimes because I've got two people here who are better at it, but it's something I need to improve on. That's why it's a team game, yeah, just like football. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'll, 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 oh, sorry, Dave, all I was going to say is we should probably do, or we can do a follow-up anytime, maybe in six months, see how you're getting on. Because uh, this is what we're saying about the good stories and stuff, because... I think, well, probably when I say we, Dan and I were probably feeling a bit more jaded with football recently because of how bad sort of Tottenham have been doing. But like I said, when you get back to it, it is about, like Dave was saying, about the shared bonds. It is about, if you strip it back to the roots of football being, you know, a game where you can go have a, you know, have a bit of fun, watch it. Um, it kind of, that, that brings back what football is. It's just once you then start laying putting on the layers of fans and rivalries and competition and pressure. That's then when you kind of forget what football is at, at heart. So, yeah. It's also been quite interesting for us as well, because I think in England, we're very premiership focused and Champions League focused. Yeah. But in the podcast, we've started talking about, you know, yesterday we talked about the Belgium League and, and how that works. And that was quite interesting and how playoffs work. And, you know, it's been quite fascinating learning about the different areas of football and not just what we're pointing, you know, we're pointing towards Champions League and Premiership mostly. Yeah, and what's also um, cool about that, um, like you mentioned about Belgium football, and like it's a football, even though it's different leagues, it's also such an international thing. So last year yeah. uh, when I was in uh, Croatia, I was doing digital uh, nomading, and then I discovered that the local club Hajduk uh, split going to be a match, and so I, I decided to I just message in a uh, WhatsApp group for fellow digital nomads. And then I said, hi guys, um, if anyone are into football, there's going to be a match here this evening. Anyone would like to join? And then an Englishman wow. was replying, and hey, I'd love to join. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so true what you say about football being international. Years ago, I was on holiday in um, Ecuador, and one day there was a charity match. I can't remember. It was something like a world legends 11 against the current world 11 and i wanted to watch a game and our bus driver you know we were on a, like a coach trip the bus driver w- wanted to watch it now i didn't speak spanish he didn't speak english but we were talking about football we were just saying random footballers names so i'll say yeah pele and put the <laughs> thumbs up and he would say george best and put thumbs up and for for like 90 minutes we were able to watch a game and even though we were just saying random footballers we were able to communicate you know for that time so yeah football truly is yeah when you again like that it's those little things like that where you forget kind of like the joy you can get i've, I've got 
Sorry, Dave. Um, I've yeah, got so another, another question. Um, so earlier we, we established that your English team was Manchester United. Um, with Haaland doing so well at Manchester City, <laughs> have, have your loyalties changed at all? Or are you still, are you still is your English team still Manchester United? My loyalty has not changed a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Would it change if the captain of your national team plays for a club in North London? Most certainly not. I'll <laughs> <laughs> put it out there. It's, it's good that you stayed loyal. <laughs> yeah. So I guess talking about putting people together. So one of the things, so my portfolio of clubs that I played for, one of the things I haven't mentioned to Dan is I played for a football club in the United States called Stars United. Ooh. That was down in Florida. And in that club, we had, well, I was the only English person, but we had a Scot, we had a Swiss, a Venezuelan, a Colombian, American, all these people from different cultures and backgrounds playing football. Yeah. Which is yeah. Um, wow. pretty amazing, really. It's, it's one thing that sort of brought us together, because otherwise I wouldn't speak to these people. I wouldn't know them ever. But playing for that one club, I got to know quite a few people. I'm just sitting here in silence because I'm wondering why, why I didn't know that. No, yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that's the first I've heard that story. <laughs> I, I don't think I've really shared it, to be honest. Yeah, because yeah, I, lived, I lived in the US for three years. Yeah. yeah I down, in, down in Florida. The other experience was it was so hot. Yeah. Playing, <laughs> playing football there, yeah. such hard work. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And the, the other sorry, observation I was going to make, and I know we're, we're trying to wrap up, is you mentioned earlier that the, the Norwegian season is from March to September or it's over the, over the summer months. Is that what you said? Um, it's uh, from uh, March, um, April until uh, October, uh, November. So... What you usually experience is an international major event, um, major tournament in the middle of the season, whereas this time round it's, it's flipped, doesn't it? Where we experience the major tournament in the middle of yeah. the season, and you guys have experienced it as we normally would, just out of season. Yeah, that's kind of how we um, experience that, and um, because of um, the Norwegian climate, uh, this can also uh, cause some uh, issues. Uh, for the clubs being located uh, north in Norway. So I have um, a team who hadn't won the league uh, at all until the corona season, named uh, Bodeglemt, who, by the yeah. way, played against uh, Arsenal. And mm. they're having big issues because it's always uh, snowy already in September, October, during half-time. Mm. You have those uh, crew just uh, running on the pitch and they have to shuffle off the snow or <laughs> trying to uh, yeah. heat the ice. Yeah. Dave, sorry, I've got one more question. I promise the last one. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was just thinking about Meza Urzel scoring a goal. Uh, I was just going to say, is there a particular game or a country anywhere in the world that you want to see a, a match in? So either a particular game or a particular stadium that you'd want to go see? Yeah, any particular. Yeah. Um, I, I usually have a few matches I'm watching every year on. Uh, it's usually the um, Bron uh, Rosenberg. That's a huge match in Norway, and most certainly the Northwest Derby. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you you wouldn't is there is there outside of Norway? Is there anything? So would you want to see like 
the Madrid-Barcelona game or would you want to see a game in Brazil? Is there anything that attracts you anywhere that yeah. you haven't been? Yeah, it would have been uh, fun to watch uh, Feyenoord versus uh, Ajax in the uh, Netherlands. Okay. Yeah, having okay. uh, loads of uh, friends there. And um, yeah, uh, another one. It would be fun to watch the Steel Derby in England. Oh, there you go. We mentioned oh. that yeah, yesterday, I think. So yeah, that's an interesting one. Any reason for that one, or is it just so? Is it just uh, kind of what you've seen about it in the past? Yeah, the reason um, for the steel derby. That's um, one of my uh, friends from my uh, study days, uh, and he's a diehard uh, football fan. But uh, he doesn't have any favorite teams, so instead he's going to England a lot, at least ten times a year. And every time he's going to England, he's traveling to different cities. So, and such is uh, ground jumping. And then okay. also, so, and what's the best match you ever attended? He said, without a doubt, Steel Derby. That's one yeah. I have to watch. Okay. okay. Oh, there you go. That's really impressive. Very, very cool. I think we're going to pretty wrap it up there. Matthias, you've been an amazing guest. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I've cheers learned, for coming on. Yeah, I've learned so much um, about Norwegian football, about Bran how to pronounce uh, Norwegian <laughs> names properly. <laughs> uh, I think it's been incredible. Uh, we, I think I would love, when I, I'm sure speaking for Dan here, we'd love for you to come back on as well, yeah, yeah like six yeah. months' time or whenever, to yeah, discuss so football, but actually how your professional career is going and yeah. how your leadership and workshops are sort of progressing and developing. Yeah, that would be brilliant. Thanks for listening to Just Football. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can follow us on Twitter at JustFootballPod or contact us through email on JustFootballPod at gmail.com. We'll be back next time with more football talk. Until then, keep your head up and your eyes on the ball.